What's up everyone? I am here with the Legendary Tales to tell you a quick bonus episode because I feel like I failed you a little bit last weekend by investigating the amazing country that is Argentina and only talking about Nazis. So I'm Isadora Martin-Dye, your host and the person that has to listen to me talk today and gets to do no research, so he's happy, mm. is Adam. Yeah, you're leading this one 100%, and I'm just going to fill in. Not along. Not along. We are baking. I am sure you guys are as well. It has been incredibly hot, so uh, I I think we're both just feeling like piles of goo. We're going to do this as quickly as possible. Let's do it. But I'm going to take some time to really appreciate the culture that is Argentina, which is one of my favorite countries in the entire world. So here we go. My sources today are mainly Wikipedia, the culture, theculturetrip.com, and I am now going to literally read you an entire post by something called Inside Buenos Aires by the staff of the Fierro Hotel, who apparently write a very, very good blog. Cool. So good for them. On a so totally different note, we just finished recording an episode where I talked about Dracula and I realized I pronounced just Dracula really, really weirdly. So anyone that noticed, I think I pronounced it Dracula. Oh, that is strange. It was super I weird. I didn't cause, pick that up while we were recording. Yeah, I do know how to pronounce that word. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, right. not a different vampire. No, not a different vampire. I just was obviously having a brain melt moment. Okay, so I'm going to tell you first of all about the national tree and flower of Argentina. And then we'll go into my own personal favorite legend. The Sibio is both the national tree and flower of Argentina. Same thing. It's like a big tree, green tree with red flowers. And it is resistant to both ice and fire and has been the inspiration for tangos, poetry, folklore, and is seen as a symbol of courage and strength. According to legend, there was once an indigenous woman named Ahai who lived in the shores of the Panara River. She was small and unsightly, however, her looks were forgotten on summer nights when she came to sing with her beautiful voice to the tribe about their gods and the love of their land. When the conquistadors came to conquer the land, they took Ahani, Ahai, and others from her tribe as prisoners. One night, the guard fell asleep, and she saw her chance of escaping. The guard, however, woke up just as she was getting away, and so she stabbed him. His dying holler startled the rest of the soldiers, and she was unable to escape. Her punishment for killing the man was to burn at the stake. On the night of her sentence, she was tied to a tree and a fire was lit. The flames quickly caught and the indigenous woman began to sing about her land and her nature and all that was taken from her. The following morning, the soldier stood astounded on the spot of her death. In place of the ashes, as they had expected to find, there was a blooming sibo tree showing off its splendid red flowers. And that was the start of the Argentine tree. Just kind of a quick little legend there. Yeah. And I just thought it was nice because it was a fairly concise story. <laughs> and there's no more information that I can find about it other than that. So I'm going to talk to you about the thing that um, I have a lot of personal experience with, which is the Argentine gauchos. Now, do you know what a gaucho is? It's a horse person. A horse person. It is, in fact, the Argentine version, basically, of a cowboy. Mm -hmm. But they do have their own culture and... Uh, if you're driving, they even have a famous gaucho that they worship. And if you're driving around Argentina, you might see little shrines with red flags. Mm. And those are actually like shrines to the gaucho. And here's a quick little poem, because, you know, it is ours. I, I kind of like it. My horse and my woman went off to Salta. May the horse return, for I don't need the woman. Mm -hmm. 
And that pretty much sums up the gaucho. They began to emerge after the War of Independence or during the War of Independence. They basically became the Argentines mounted soldiers. They were kind of, I mean, this was not like a battle. This, This was not a battle for... As you might think, people lining up on each either side. This is much more of a guerrilla warfare kind of war against the conquistadors, mm-hmm. and they were very much like uh, just guerrilla warriors. Really, they were often outmanned, outarmed for yeah. sure, and they would take them on in the rural pampa, and they proved invaluable. Although, of course, they lost, mm-hmm. but they certainly started at that point to go into folklore as being these amazingly skilled horsemen and and not just folklore as these amazingly skilled horsemen they were amazingly skilled horsemen and it's been said that the gaucho way is to believe that a man without a horse is a man without legs okay they are as tied to their horses even more so than cowboys like i think cowboys i don't know maybe you think of them in bars and saloons and in towns and things mm. gauchos literally you never think of them anywhere except on a horse they are one and the same. And that's why I have so much experience with them on a very personal level, because whenever I go out to Argentina, I'm out there with horses and the gaucho very, very much still exist and do the traditional jobs that they've been doing 200 years now. Mm-hmm. The horse at this point wasn't only, uh, it was it was totally essential to their survival. Uh, one of the authorities who's written on this is a man named Hudson. And he said, he must travel every day, traverse vast distances See quickly, judge rapidly, be ready at all times to encounter hunger, fatigue, violent changes of temperature, and great and sudden perils. So they were totally nomadic. They might end up at a cattle ranch and work the owner there's cattle, but really the traditional gaucho had no land, had no place of stability. So their basic tasks were to move the cattle between fields, branding, taming horses was a big because it wasn't just the gauchos that you'd horses at this point. Obviously, they were being used for everyone. Most of the gauchos were literate because uh, they didn't need to be mm-hmm. literate. That was not what they wanted. And they lived off a diet primarily of beer, uh, beef and wine. Okay. And then a very specific drink called mate, which looks totally unappealing, but is quite nice. It's um, like a fermented drink. Okay. So... Let me tell you a little bit how you would know a gaucho if you found him, other than the fact that obviously he would be firmly attached to a horse. Mm -hmm. They traditionally wear big baggy trousers, very similar to the ones I'm wearing right now, actually. Um, Ben calls them Aladdin pants, um, but they're actually known as, I've got it written down here, and I'm pretty sure it's Bombatches. Okay. But I didn't write it down because I thought I knew it. Um, (laughs) Oh, I have written it down, and it is Bombatches. Good, good. Okay, so that went in. They would also usually wear a white, Usually it's a white linen shirt of some sort, a poncho to keep them warm, a big wine broom hat to keep the sun off their face, mm-hmm. and always they have a knife tucked into the back of their trousers. Okay. It's usually a long blade um, called a facon, like fake bacon. Mm-hmm. And it, and I've seen it used for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they will literally cut the leather that they're putting on their saddles, then cut the throat of the cow that they might eat, <laughs> then use it to cut, you know, cut the cow and then eat it off the tip of the knife. Yeah. I mean, this knife is used every aspect of their life. And cowboys really had a similar thing. But this this particular knife, it's fashion where they held it, which is right in the back, lower back. Small through the back. Their, yeah, through their spine um, so that they can ride with it. Yeah. Is, I think for me, certainly perhaps the most symbolic part of 
an Argentine gaucho. And I will try and put that on our cover art. Yeah, yeah. So that then anyone who wants to see what I'm talking about can see it. They eat a hell of a lot of beef and they generally don't supplement it with a lot of vegetables because they are traveling. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of the original new paleo people. (laughs) Wine's not super paleo. That's true. Wine isn't super paleo. (laughs) So, so yeah. No, no. Go ahead. I'll, no. I'll ask at the, at the end. Ask uh, now because I've got a tale to tell you. Oh, you have a tale. Okay. How? So I'm assuming are they paid just like in cattle? Then like is that sort of how they procure and food? They're paid as well. Right. Um. It's just, I, it's always it always fascinates me when highly nomadic people yeah come to a place to do a job yep um because they because because it's always hard for me to imagine. Having to do to do the work and then and then to be paid obviously in in money or food or whatever mm-hmm. and then and lodging and then to like carry the food away. So from what I know and from obviously I am not uh, the gauchos I know yeah. are not yeah they're not nomads. eighteen nineteen gauchos yeah um the gauchos I know primarily work in polo and cattle farming okay they make very little money uh-huh. but they get lodging. Yeah, room and food, yeah. room and board. They also get what they need for their horses. Okay. So tack and, and like the abil- treatment and stuff. Yeah, and the ability to ride their horses get integrated into the herd. Okay. Wealthy gauchos will own property. Okay. I mean, uh, now for it's, sure, it's, so it's, it's become a more sort of stable. Yeah, thing? absolutely. Okay. I think that started happening around the turn of the 1900s. Okay. Um, that they started so. They were also massively, and we're going to talk a bit about this in a second with this tale and this poem that I'm not going to read because it's 2,316 lines. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to give you an overview of it. Yep. Uh, while they were seen as these incredibly romantic figures during this, the war, the war, by the time you got to about the 1900s, they started to be seen as uneducated that as mechanical engineering came into play yeah they were seen to be less needed okay um and they were certainly viewed in a very derogatory way mm-hmm. i will say that they've got a reputation for being quick to temper mm-hmm. um and those knives are not only used for cutting cattle's throats and eating beef yeah they are also used for a lot of fighting yes uh, which we will get to in a minute so by the time we got to the turn of the century they were really out of fashion out of fashion and although they maintained much of almost is a gauch being a gaucho is a religion mm. the religion remained okay but maybe the way that they practiced dif- didn't okay the the religion is that only practiced within the profession or do people outside of ah so religion i was uh so when i said the religion remains i meant more like the religion of being tied to your horse of this idea of working cattle yeah of this idea of uh, the religion as in the red flags on the side of the road Mm -hmm. that is not only within these traditional gauchos this is more of a national thing but it's also very small okay um it's uh, it's akin to driving around ireland and seeing the virgin mary little what did we just watch on on TV, that Netflix thing with Will Farrell? Oh, yeah, uh, Eurovision. Eurovision. And, you know, they were praying to the gnome, the gnomes in the woods. Yeah, the, yeah. Kind of like that. Okay, so just like a... Like, like okay. real tro- proper myth. Yeah. And he was a fairly modern gaucho that died. I think he got killed. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of sprung up around this idea okay. of you can... He'll give you the luck of the gaucho. Okay. Though he wasn't very lucky. So, the poem... It is written by Jose Hernandez, and it is called El Gaucho Martín Ferrero. 
who is I, a lot of people basically just say it's a allegory for Argentina itself, mm-hmm. but it was a story about a man who was drafted to serve at the border fort defending Argentine in a frontier against native people. Okay. So he, uh, in the, in the poem, he annoys somebody, he gets caught by the Spaniards, he annoys them and as a punishment, he has to fight against his own people. Okay. And he obviously doesn't like that. He deserts and tries to return to his home to find that all his family have been killed. So he goes into a bar and annoys a black woman and kills her companion. Didn't really read the whole thing. Read the whole. I was not going to read this entire poem in translation from Spanish. Yeah. And then he meets a police officer. I don't know. His name is Sergeant Cruz. And they both defect together and run away to what they think is going to be a better life in the Pampa. Probably not a police officer then. No. Just someone in the military. Military. Um, but some highlights then? Is that what we're we're basically getting? Yes. Cool. Yeah, we're just getting, you're getting the brief overview awesome. of how this poem works. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but is this the gaucho from the from the religious? Or is this a No, this okay. is a, the gaucho from the religious thing, whose name I will look up and put in right here. Um, probably not. Uh, <laughs> he is a real person. This is actually just a okay. figure. Um, so that was the first one. He runs off with this guy to go find a better life sounded weird i didn't mean it like that i think there's no homosexual intonations (laughs) on it at all and then he wrote a second one where he it's a little bit more legendary and mythological which is obviously they don't find a better life they become prisoners of the natives at this point yeah and they end up being involved in an epidemic plague Uh oh and there's a young christian boy who's who's they're saying brought the plague Uh uh-huh and when he dies, Ferrero hears the cries of a woman, and he enters the uh, he enters the house and find her weeping over the body of her dead son, her hands tied with the boy's entrails. So she's accused of witchcraft, and he fights and wins a brutal battle for her, and travels her back towards civilization. Then he leaves her, and then he runs into his own two sons and Cruz's son, and he has a duel with a singer who turns out to be the younger brother of the man that he killed who was the companion of the black woman that he annoyed and at the end he changes his name and goes off to live in peace that's an allegory for argentina okay that's what i that's what it said it was just interesting and and actually it's apparently one of the greatest classical pieces of work that came out of argentina good thing where you just butchered it so i have done it no no justice no justice no respect at all it is considered one of the great works of the spanish language that means i'm gonna have to read it now yeah you are and then you can come back and tell me how (laughs) much i pushed it so gauchos have just always had this long complicated career yeah um they've invented a dance uh, which is really cool and if i can figure out how to put a clip on instagram i might do that Mm -hmm. to impress the women and i will say that all the gauchos i know have always been quite charming and smooth talking (laughs) yeah i'm sure they are and um that special brand of misogynistic that (laughs) only a relatively few people in the world can get away with uh and cowboys being cowboys, the perhaps other, being the, the other the, the other, other group of people yeah. that could perhaps get away with it. Yeah. Um. And these days, much like I've said, gauchos have developed a different type of history. Yeah. They are now 
primarily involved with the Argentine tourist board. Yeah. There, uh, so an Argentine ranch is called an estancia. Mm-hmm. And many of these estancias are now open to the public to go visit and stay on for varying different reasons. Some of them are, uh, make huge amounts of money. Others, like where I used to go stay, you know, they'd have two or three visitors, maybe a 10 or 20 visitors throughout the year, and it would be enough to just supplement the rancher's income. Mm-hmm. But the hosts have turned into almost the Argentine version of what a Japanese geisha would be. Okay. So they cook, they entertain, they sing, they dance. Mm -hmm. They revel in being a hospitality ambassador, I Uh guess. And that's part of what they, I mean, it's a really large part of what they do. And I think it was historically come through what they've had to do to survive, be very charming and tell stories and dance and, live on their wits Mm -hmm. and it's just very cool that now they've found kind of a place in the argentine history and actually they used the argentine hat has been used as a national symbol for a very long time the the gaucho hat the big the big big one ride burned hat um not a sombrero no because someone i know i was talking to about gauchos once asked me where they were sombreros let me be very clear it's a different type of are they leather no they are usually fabric okay um, Are they f- or straw, floppy? and they usually have no. They're usually very rigid brim, circular. Yeah, and they usually have quite a big, thick band of whatever ribbon around the bottom of them. Around like the, the this yes. Bit. So similar to a sombrero in the in that respect. In the, yeah, but they don't turn up. Uh huh. And they certainly don't have like the decoration. The decoration. Yeah. I will say that the it part- sounds like they're more like the Japanese straw hats yes. than than a sombrero. Yeah. Obviously and they, they're going to be similar because, you know, Argentina, Spain, but Yeah. And and same a lot of the same cultural influences. Yeah. But the uh, the gauchos on they're much more in line the um, Argentine gauchos are much more in line with what I would consider an American cowboy. Okay. than maybe the churros of Mexico. Okay. Which is, by the way, I think that's how you pronounce it. The Mexican version of it. Of of, of, of a gaucho. Yes. Uh, sure. A churro is a de- kind it's of... It's a dessert. It's a dessert. They're... A burro is a donkey. Donkey. No. Ca- oh, my gosh. I know this because I knew a whole load of them. No. no. That's a hat. That's a hat. Hang on. So the Mexican version of it is a charro. Okay. Not a churro. Mm-hmm. That was, again... Um, but they are usually much more colorful, fantastical. They usually have a much more colorful, yeah, garb. Garb. Mm. Whereas even the Argentine ponchos tend to be a more muted color, and okay. So that's what I mean by. Uh, well, Charles would. Are they similar in the in the same way that they're nomadic? Yes. Okay. Um, and very, I mean, very, very similar. Um, and they came. They're not quite as. Horse driven. Mm-hmm. I've met a whole load of, so I spent a lot of time in Southern California with horses. Yep. Where the predominant people that work horses on a day to day basis are Mexican, mm-hmm. and I spent a significant amount of time in Argentina. Mm-hmm. So okay, I've seen all these different cultures very up, and and obviously California and uh, and Virginia where you've got a lot of cowboys. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of these different horse cultures up mm. close and personal, and honestly, horses are the same. Yes. So therefore, the people that are riding tend them the tend to be the same. Yeah. Tends to develop be the same kind of personality traits. Yes. And also, from a fashion standpoint, these guys aren't getting dressed for fashion. No, and they're, they're in very similar climates. Yes. It's so dry, they, it's hot. It's dry, it's hot. 
they're moving, they're fighting, (laughs) they're so... Yeah. Fashion-wise, there's many more similarities over these different... Function over form. Yep. And yet they look so damn cool. They they do look really cool. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, maybe it's just... Nothing like a poncho. A few of my friends married gauchos. Mm. There's something quite... There's something very cool about... Marrying a cowboy? Yeah, let's face it. Doesn't matter what culture you culture you turn to. So romantic. There is something a little romantic and pretty cool about marrying cowboy. All right, guys. So that was my little bit on Argentine culture outside of their Nazism, because they are so much more than that. They are. And you will be back with us in a few days when we do aliens for an actual episode. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.